Welcome to this podcast from Veterinary Evidence, an online open access peer-reviewed journal owned and published by RCVS Knowledge. Hello, uh, my name is Abby McMillan and I graduated from the University of Bristol in 2020. I'm a registered veterinary nurse and I'm currently working in first opinion small animal practice. Hello. I am Carla Husband. I'm also a registered veterinary nurse and graduated in 2020 from the University of Bristol, now working as a referral nurse in a hospital in the southwest and currently also work for the RCVS as well. So have kind of some um, ideas from both sides, I suppose. Um, my name's Lauren Sweeney. Surprisingly, I'm also a registered veterinary nurse. <laughs> I graduated in 2020 as well from Bristol alongside Abby and Carla. And I work as a registered nurse now um, alongside Abby in the same hospital in a lovely veterinary hospital in Birmingham. Great. Uh, so the next question is how we all found out about veterinary evidence. Um, and I think uh, it we had to do a knowledge summary as part of our course um, in our final year. And it was kind of presented to us at the introduction for that assignment that there was this option for it to be published in veterinary evidence or kind of sent in as an application for this um, competition, which is how I think we all found out about it. Yeah, I think the uni like are obviously very pro at like nursing um, sort of as evidence-based as possible. So as soon as it was brought up as a topic, a, you know a, a sort of desire to apply or to send a, to send our knowledge summary in and I think it's a like a really great way for like your hard work to pay off and actually be out there for other nurses to read as well. Lauren said you know you've already put in so much of the hard work a lot of the kind of um, exams and assignments now that we're kind of introducing for nurses to be kind of licensed to practice like to join the register um, so many of them now you know, we're really trying to encourage that kind of practicing, um, you know, getting involved in the evidence base and, and realising that quite a few of our lecturers as well had already published through veterinary evidence and already had knowledge summaries published was then really nice to then also kind of be involved with that and kind of use our hard work and, and put it forward. Yeah, and I think we were actually really lucky that at Bristol it was so encouraged and they really introduced it to us because I don't know if I would have found out about the competition otherwise or if I had found out about it, felt like I could actually enter um, yeah. and like how that process would go. So I think that would be something that would be really cool if it was a bit wider spread in the, the nursing mm. training. Yeah, I think like as a student, if I didn't know that there was like a student evidence award, I would have been too like nervous yeah to put my work forward yeah. like I'd have been like oh let me just get qualified first like I I think actually having something designed for students to enter their evidence into like is is perfect really for for people like us and also knowing yeah, definitely. it's not you know just for veterinary students as well you know it was really interesting to hear that we were kind of almost like the first nurses really that were kind of putting our research and our hard work like towards it as well and that it wasn't just vet students that had the opportunity to do this and how important it is for nurses to also contribute to the evidence base because there's so much that we also do in our day-to-day -day jobs that are so evidence-based and gold standard like led and it's so crucial for us to also have a real kind of key role in creating evidence as well. 
Um, I was just going to say, I actually checked before we um, started this podcast and there uh, we're still the only nurses, I think, to have either placed or actually entered the competition. So I feel really lucky that we, I, I think, had the opportunity and the encouragement to do it. But I do wish mm. like it could continue like that after us as well. Yeah, definitely. I hope that more nurses are encouraged in the future. Yeah. No, I was basically going to say something along the lines of what you've just said. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, one of the questions was how we found out about the competition, which I think we've answered already. Um, and I think the next question as well is why did we want to get involved in it? Um, and I think it was definitely the support of our... Yeah, I think it actually makes you feel quite like, quite like part of like a bigger community as well because if you're doing it if you're making like a knowledge summary as part of your university like coursework like you see it as something very independent you don't necessarily associate it with like the whole of the veterinary community so I think actually putting it forward and having other people read it and now knowing that it's out there for everyone to read I think makes you actually feel like as part of like a massive veterinary team so that was definitely something that I took away from that yeah and I think without realizing we kind of wrote something very topical um that was was quite needed in the times that it was published um and it was actually just hilarious because I don't think we guys really even like thought about it did we we kind of just were like throwing some ideas around and we were like hmm what's about and then it came up and then it was like oh wow this is actually so topical um like even more reason to kind of like get involved and um and put it forward for like publication and for the competition as well but I think you know we had um Ali Mann one of the um lecturers who um was on our course has written quite a few knowledge summaries for veterinary evidence and she was so helpful in you know kind of helping us like get it published and you know encouraging us as well and all the staff really um but yeah I really hope that it kind of encourages then students coming up through to know that they've put all this effort in to do this coursework and it's really then not that much more effort to to then get it published yeah I just put it out there for everyone to be able to read I think actually that was one of the things we we found probably part of the hardest of the process was finding suitable studies that matched exactly what our question was so I think actually to know that there's now some out there that have followed a very similar format of the knowledge summary like it's it would be handy for students who are in a or like who are now in a similar position to where we were like to be able to actually look and read through one definitely uh so the next question is how have you found the transition from being a student to working in practice oh good question (laughs) you want to start carla um at first it's very much you have that imposter syndrome don't you of like oh my god should I be like qualified now (laughs) I've been a student for so long um I think it's just like exciting and I think it definitely depends where you end up working because I know from quite a lot of you know chats with you guys and and some of our friends from university as well that we've had quite supportive workplaces that have kind of allowed us to, you know, kind of really throw ourselves in the deep end, but have that support and backing behind us. And I think it's so crucial for new nurses to to feel that way so then they can like really flourish and, and challenge themselves. Yeah, 
no, I would say similar. Like I um I actually went on and took a permanent job at somewhere that I'd done my um sort of EMS. So I was already familiar with the environment, I was familiar with the team and they were also familiar with the level I was working at as well. So I felt that it was actually quite a nice transition and actually I like I I would recommend that maybe to someone like if they want to go somewhere that they feel comfortable I think actually to get me that grounding and, and working as an RVM for the first year at least like that I really enjoyed being somewhere that I knew um and I think as well obviously we graduated just as the first wave of the pandemic hit so actually I think for us it was probably quite different to how it would be for quite a lot of people um I like I ended up working maybe um a bit more independently than I probably would if I had the support of like a, a massive team of like 14 15 nurses like I was used to um but actually in a way I think that's actually made me a better nurse because it's like obviously you've still got your support system to ask for help but sometimes you have to initiate um you know initiate the extra learning or that like um, you know, building up knowledge of cases that you weren't, you haven't covered before and things like that. So I think actually it was quite a, an interesting sort of transition into nursing. Yeah, I feel like we all kind of had a different experience when we um, qualified in our first practice after um, we were RVMs, which I think is quite interesting. I ended up going um, abroad for a year and um, so it was a completely different environment and um, a lot of like just kind of the clinical aspect of nursing was different. Like the diseases were different, medications had different branding names, there were different vaccines, stuff like that. Um, and I think by the time I accepted a permanent position there, I was the only RVN. So I think contrary to you guys, I feel like I was that kind of like lacking that initial support in the beginning. Mm. And obviously there were qualified vets there that I could ask questions, but a lot of like nursing care points and like um, operating procedures, they just couldn't really help me with. So um, that I found quite stressful to not have that support behind me, but it also made me really confident in my nursing quite quickly because I felt like I had to kind of back myself and be like, no, I've been trained this. I know how to do this. I know this is the right way. And this is the evidence that I have to support this, which is why I actually found evidence-based nursing to be really supportive because it kind of filled that gap for me where I didn't have colleagues to ask. Um, but since I've moved back to England and I'm at a, a bigger clinic with more RVNs now, I definitely feel that support system now and I, I do really value it. And it's always nice as well, like you said, Abby, like having that evidence base like if you are kind of having those clinical discussions with team members you can then be like hey but look you know this is kind of my point and this is why I have it because there is this evidence base behind it and you know I'm not just kind of pulling it out of thin air like it is um you know coming from somewhere um I have a question for you Lauren so did you find it tricky going back obviously you said going back to a practice that you'd already worked at. Did you find it tricky though, going back to a practice where you were known as a student and then going back as a qualified? I think it could have gone either way. I think people mm -hmm. could have still seen me as a student and I would have had to almost be like, I can do it now. Um, <laughs> but actually I think because they were all so excited for me to qualify that as soon as I could, they were like, well, it's, you, it's your turn now. So yeah. like whenever there was something, like whenever there was like a, a difficult catheter or something there wasn't the like oh I'll do it because I'm an RVM they were like go on you do it now because you're the RVM and like <laughs> actually I think it 
was almost the opposite to that. And it was really nice, actually. Um, and I think we were all sort of as excited as each other that I could probably do. <laughs> I could like, I don't know, have the confidence to do things and stuff. But yeah, no, I, I really liked going to a practice that I was familiar with. And I, if, you know, if that wasn't possible, I definitely would have enjoyed the challenge of going somewhere new. But I think actually I was glad to see familiar faces and to see familiar protocols things like that I think that's helped me feel more confident oh definitely and I think as well it's it's so dependent on the nurse isn't it and how you how comfortable you feel I think we were lucky in the fact that during our training we've kind of had to you know go to lots of different places and rotate around different departments in the hospital and you have to kind of learn how to adapt really quickly don't you but some people yeah. don't haven't had that experience yet, but I definitely kind of piece of advice is definitely once you feel comfortable and confident in your nursing, you know, take that opportunity to go and see other things and go and see how other things are done and and learn from lots of other nurses with their experience. You know, um, as soon as you feel like you're you're maybe getting a bit comfortable, maybe just go and have a chance to learn something new and, and, and go and experience some other practice. So uh, the next question we have is, have you used evidence in practice? Um, which I think we kind of partially answered already. My answer is definitely yes. Um, pretty much every clinical discussion I had with vets where I wanted to implement a new protocol or change something because of something I was taught at university, it was always, well, let's reflect on research, come back together and, and form a protocol that way. Um, which I definitely really, really appreciated. I feel like, especially in specifically like nursing care, I feel like a lot of it, which I didn't actually realize until we actually went to do the research for the, for the um, paper that we wrote, but I feel like a lot of kind of the decision-making about the way we do things in practice is a lot of like hearsay or kind of like rumors that we kind of presume to be true or like anecdotal. Yeah. Like anecdotal yeah. evidence passed down from the nurse that helped to train you before and it sticks with you that way um yeah. it's not to say that it's not true but it's also not been backed up and proven to be true by evidence which i think having written this knowledge center really shifted my perspective of it i think it sort of allows you to to sometimes bring something a bit more to the conversation as well like i would quite often find that as maybe as a some of the younger year students like I wouldn't want to um, get involved in like bigger conversations because I was like wow these people know so much <laughs> whereas I felt like when I actually started looking at evidence that was there you'll be really surprised how much you like how much knowledge you actually pick up from it and I started to feel that I could like engage in conversations like a little bit more um, which was actually really nice and I um, took became a clinical coach um, sort of when I was like a year qualified and actually I liked when I was teaching her things I liked to know that I had the most up-to-date or like the most like knowledge that I could give her that wasn't actually just backed up off of my training it was backed off you know from like you know really good textbooks and manuals or actually like new evidence or sometimes saying oh I, when I was in uni we were taught this but actually now there's a slightly different way to look at it and I think actually I think that doing the knowledge summary and sort of the processing and publishing part of it made me maybe more likely to look at those things than I would have been prior. We're such a dynamic profession like everything's always changing isn't it and and like Lauren said you know you do just have to keep on top of 
like what's what's relevant and like what's being published and um I'm quite lucky in the fact that in my practice I have got quite a few nurses that are really keen to always be kind of reviewing like kind of protocols that we have in practice and we do a lot of clinical audits and um kind of then going back to our clinical directors and being like okay this is what we're doing and you know this is the compliance of these protocols but realistically we should be doing this instead let's implement it and and see what happens and see how our nursing improves and just being able to then kind of gain that evidence and and you know kind of back up everything that you're trying to say is is so useful and we're really then improving like our patients care and kind of gold standard like nursing that we can do so the last question that we have um before i think it's like an open floor discussion of anything else you guys want to ask is what would you say to your younger self do you have any advice like your student self or even like before university <laughs> i think I, I would probably love to carry on questioning things um like, because uh, as a child, I was always one of those probably quite annoying. <laughs> Just, why? Why? <laughs> why? <laughs> why? <laughs> we do it like this. Um, and I feel that I carried that on into uni and actually maybe then almost analysing each individual paper and being like, well, why did they do it like that? Allowed us to form not only part of our like discussion, but actually I carried that on into my like my clinical nursing and maybe if we have like a patient now that doesn't do what we expect it to do, doesn't get either better in the way we expect it to or show clinical signs in the way we expect, I'm quite like, well, why? And then that will get me to go on and do a bit more research. And I think actually not losing that side of yourself, like not losing that curiosity. I think it is, it's hard to in a profession like this because obviously you do your CPD and you like it's a it's sort of profession where you're always learning but actually I think even if you become confident in something it's good to be like well why what would happen if I did it this way what would happen if we changed our protocol and I think that's definitely something I would tell myself it's okay like to do that like my younger self you know it's okay to carry on doing that <laughs> it's a good thing <laughs> what about you guys I would say that we all hated it at university having to sit there and reflect about things but actually I think I've definitely you know learned now how important it is and I definitely kind of tell even like my younger self before university like how important it is to kind of take a step back really reflect on something and like ask yourself how you know how you can do better without kind of being too hard on yourself and and knowing that okay yeah that might not have gone exactly the way you wanted to but okay here's what we're going to do next time and I think that it's so important especially for our profession that we're reflective practitioners and we're really kind of you know seeing what what happened and making sure we can then kind of utilize our evidence base as well to then go back and be like actually I think next time I'm going to do this instead because realistically this is now what the evidence is saying and this might work better next time um and like especially now with all of our CPD having to be reflective on our CPD I think it's just such an important habit to get to get into <laughs> I think that's really good I think it, especially in such a high intensity profession as well where you're sometimes pulled and stretched in lots of different directions I think sometimes you can't always reflect there and then on a situation and it's not until later when you get a little bit more time 
um, that you can reflect on, you know, difficult cases, you know, difficult days or even good days, good cases. Yeah. Like mm. it's I think actually that's really important for sort of prolonging your sort of mental well-being in practice. Yeah. I also think like having that reflection kind of encourages I guess the thought process of like we're humans and you know we this is how our day went what could we have done differently what might we change to make this day better and I think the biggest thing that I would tell myself when like I was a younger student or even before I went to university would just be to remember that that I'm human and it just because you make a mistake it doesn't make you a bad nurse it doesn't make you a bad person and humans are imperfect by design so there's no way that we can get everything right all of the time, especially in something as unpredictable, I think, as clinical practice. And what I found is like the most helpful thing that I found for practice and for like clinical development has been having that kind of no blame environment around you so that when you do have those mistakes or um, those errors do happen, uh, you can reflect on them, think about what worked, what you could change about the situation so it didn't happen again, and you can be honest about it to other people, mm-hmm. which I think is so important, like to not have that fear of um, having like being berated or like having it affect your career if you make a small mistake and you're and that makes you terrified to actually tell someone. I think like we're, we're dealing with lives in our hands as nurses, like cl- clinical practice and the care we provide is too important, I think, for us not to be honest and mm-hmm. come forward with stuff. So I think encouraging that behavior and that kind of environment wherever I go now is definitely a priority and I wish I could have internalized that when I was younger that's really yeah I think that's really like yeah that's really important and like you say like it's you want to build an environment around you that supports that that supports the sort of you know mistakes happen we we look to reflect on why they happened and how we can prevent them and also like you're there as a team as well and you need to build that support as a team um and you know i think actually that's really important going into a career especially a career where you go in and you know you suddenly switch from student to qualified and like your your boundaries change almost of what you're allowed to do and what you could you know what you're allowed to do sort of without um sort of nurse supervision things like that it's it's really important to feel that you can actually be like I don't feel comfortable doing this. I've not done this before. Do you mind going through it with me and watching it? And obviously you've always got your vets around, but I think it's important to, because there'll be other nurses as well that are very comfortable and confident with, with certain things. And I think building up that team sort of support as well is, is would be really good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, really yeah, and I think it's, it's worth noting as well that those like jobs and those clinics with that positive atmosphere do exist. And I think they're becoming a lot more common now, but I think, you know, if there's any students or any, you know, RVNs that are listening that are struggling with their current practice because they don't feel like supported in that way, not to give up because those places definitely do exist. You just have to find them or encourage them in your own environment that you're already in. And I think it's definitely becoming a new kind of thought process now as well especially from kind of managing directors and clinical directors and stuff that they know that you know our industry is facing a bit of a crisis when it comes to mental health and mental well-being and work-life balance and you know it's there's definitely becoming that improvement of really seeing that support from you know 
um, clinical directors and you know senior staff and and head nurses and and things like that and I think like Abby said you know if you don't feel like your practice is offering that for you then your lives and your mental well-being your mental health is too important to kind of go through that for so long without without the support that you need because again like Lauren said as well it's a massive team this industry you can't you can't work by yourself you need that team you need your other nurses you need your vets you need your VCAs your receptionists everyone is a massive team in a practice whether it's three people that work there or a hundred you know and you can't let your kind of worries kind of just sit there without voicing something and 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 speaking up and and making sure you're happy um and and doing well and and not letting you know other kind of worries or concerns and politics of practices um affect your decisions as well what would you say um your sort of I don't know like your tips would be to like maybe new grad nurses going from SVNs to RVNs what would you give as like a tip for going into practice? I think maybe just take a really deep breath because I found a lot like I, I put a lot of in, I had like a lot of internal pressure when I qualified that I was like all of this responsibility I suddenly have mm. um, and it felt like a massive weight and anytime there was a difficult decision or clinically something went wrong, it was like all of the responsibility was on me and it was really draining. Um, and it just wasn't a healthy, I think, approach to, to nursing. Um, and I think it impacted my mental well-being quite a bit when I first qualified. So I think having that break, recognizing that you're human and that just because you're qualified doesn't mean that you suddenly should know everything that you were ever taught um, like you can still ask questions, you can still forget the name of a drug or <laughs> simply in work and you're going to be fine. Like, <laughs> you as a nurse. And I think just carrying that with you as you go along would be my top tip. Yeah, definitely. I think like, how about you guys? Especially the, especially the flea and wormer that, that resonated <laughs> with me. Like <laughs> you move, you say you go to a different practice. It's a completely different brand and you're like, what? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you're like you know staring at it let's figure it yeah. out so you don't have to ask yeah. <laughs> it's okay to just go so I don't know what this brand is and things like that and actually that doesn't make you bad at your job that just makes you like responsible and accountable and things like that so yeah no that's amazing what about you Carla um I think my advice would be that it's okay to remember that just because all of a sudden you're now on the register, kind of similar to what Abby's saying, you know, just because now all of a sudden you are an RVN doesn't mean you have to be able to do everything. You know, you still are able to ask for that support and ask for that help. And, you know, you're not expected to go from zero to a hundred. And I think, you know, it's so important to still, 
kind of feel like you can be a student at times with certain skills that you're not confident with because at the end of the day you know we're, we're all still learning and there's still stuff that all three of us are learning and you know pushing ourselves towards and challenging ourselves with and it's so important not to kind of you know lose that lose that sense of thinking oh I, yeah like I can't ask questions anymore and I can't because I'm now an RVN so I should know everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah no definitely definitely I was just gonna say like enjoy it like have have fun and also congratulate yourself on the fact that like our course our uni course was four years at the start of those four years that like, you desperately wanted to be a registered nurse and then now you are a registered nurse and obviously all that hard work all the assignments the coursework the the exams, the remembering every single like nerve, every single muscle, like that's paid off now because you are a, you yeah. are a nurse, and you know whilst you can have daunting days and difficult you know difficult times, I think actually there are always really positive times as well. Like you've achieved a fantastic thing. You are you know you're a registered nurse. You can you have a variety of skills and you can make a massive difference to a patient and a family. So I think actually congratulate yourself as well on getting that far and like almost that's the start of like a whole new journey for you, that transition. But I appreciate it can be very scary. And like along those lines as well, I know I am the biggest like, you know, I am the guiltiest party and I know kind of we all are really. I am very much always going at 100 miles an hour and don't stop to take a bit of a breath and go, ah okay I can just do this for you know like a little bit of time I don't have to like always be thinking about what the next thing is what the next course I'm going to be doing and Mm -hmm. you know I have kind of it's very important to kind of still be kind of doing that sort of education and keeping yourself learning but it is also important you know like both of the girls said to kind of take a breath and like appreciate how far you've come and you know really be proud of yourself for getting through the whole of your course whether it's you know a level like a level three diploma or a level five fdsc or a level six bsc you know either way you are an rvn you've worked so hard and you've finally done it and yes there are so many amazing kind of courses out there and certificates and you know all these cool things that you can be doing becoming a clinical coach all amazing things but you know you're well within your rights to take a breath and just enjoy being an RVN for five minutes <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. as soon as I qualify even before I qualified like I think in the two months <laughs> leading up to my qualification I was like where do I want to end up in 10 years and how do I yeah, end up I, now if you were like right I've been qualified five seconds a certificate like yes. what shall I do <laughs> yeah and and you know it was funny because I always thought people like when you like look into doing an additional certificate sometimes they're like oh I recommend that you're qualified for like at least a year and you've like settled into practice and I'm like why and now I'm like oh <laughs> that was and I think knowing that there isn't actually that big rush to like to just enjoy the journey a little bit and appreciate because like the reason I got into nursing is because I, I really love the profession and I think now that I'm qualified I didn't think about just sitting and enjoying it, the, being in the career that I want to be in. I was just so focused on getting to the end point eventually. Um, yeah, that's so that's probably a bit of a, a byproduct as well of 
you know a, a course that leads to a, a qualification like, there is always the you know because there's a lot to learn in quite a short period of time you are always having to form a plan and think about the next thing and I think actually that becomes a way of thinking whereas actually like Abby says like it's nice when you have qualified that there isn't there isn't a, a rush and I think actually you know you want to stay in the, the profession for a long time you and you know if you burn yourself out too quickly because you want to do everything that can be really difficult and very challenging and I think actually it's really important that you sometimes just take the go slow you can always have your short-term and long-term goals and your sort of future aspirations but it's a very big career with lots of different twists and turns in it and I think actually as you say going slow enjoying enjoying you know working in a practice and just enjoying the now is really important yeah that kind of leads me on to the question that I wanted to ask you guys which was um talking about like the mental health of the nursing profession like how do you guys any do you have any pro tips on like coping with with certain aspects and do you feel like you've got like a list of warning signs that you can recognize as oh I think I'm approaching burning out what can I do to kind of pull myself back and take that break I think I um I'm quite I can be quite like an overworker and I have now after a couple of years realized that actually that can lead to me getting quite like tired and sometimes quite anxious in the profession like I will start to pick that up in myself if I work for too long and most of that is when I'm like oh I'll do this over time I'll do this locum I'm there and like actually feel like that all through uni as well I was like oh I'll I'll have a million jobs I'll, I'll do everything and there comes a point where you're like actually I can't I can't do everything I can't balance you know an intensive job with taking on overtime that nearly doubles my you know weekly hours whilst also having a you know a social life things like that and I think actually that was a big realization for me that whilst you know we all take on extra shifts every now and then you must think about yourself as well like you know yes that is a day off and yes technically you aren't on the road to, to work so you could do that overtime if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like your one day off for the entire week. Do you need that day actually to just reset, put some washing on, <laughs> do the dishes that have been sitting there? <laughs> like, <laughs> and also, like what we've been talking about earlier, like reflecting on things. Like I, I would say that at uni, it really threw me. Like how often they were like, and now reflect on what you've done. Like because that, that wasn't really a way of thinking for me. Whereas I'd say now, I definitely am always like thinking about things and actually a lot of the time it's thinking about how well we did as a team on a day like how many ops we had in and how they all got a fantastic standard of care you know got the same standard of care they would have got if we had only one op in things like that and like that's actually really nice it makes you feel really like fulfilled and that you've done a really good job and then I try and set myself like free for the day like once I've done my sort of like reflection I'm like enjoy the rest of the day enjoy the time because I think it's not not all careers are like our careers some people will finish their job for the day and go home and then that's their time and I think actually as a sort of like professional career in you know medicine you do it becomes you sometimes or you become it I'm not sure which way but you (laughs) sometimes have to learn to like set yourself loose a bit and enjoy time where you're not thinking about work yeah, I agree. Very similar. You know, I I think we're all guilty of obviously, you know, 
being in group work chats and and still having your emails turned on and and you get home and you're worried about that patient that you've been nursing for eight hours that day and you don't know whether it's going to make it through the night and as much as yes you know it does consume you you do just have to get home and say as much as I love my job my job is now over for the day now it's me time Mm -hmm. and now it's time and you know now it's entrusting the other nurses to now come in and you know do the best they can for that patient and then you'll come in the next day and do the best you can again and you know it's so important for you to then know okay it's now 6 30 I'm home phone is off silenced the work chat silenced the emails and just have whatever you feel like you need to do to to relax to to detox to you know get it all out of your system go for a run do some yoga have a bath like anything like that that's just something mm. do some coloring I love coloring mm. <laughs> literally or like speak to your your partner and, and like reverberate like the entire day <laughs> whatever it is for you um <laughs> yeah I think it is definitely like trial and error I definitely pushed myself I think with the similar thought process of at university thinking about okay the next thing okay the next deadline while doing MPL while doing placement and you kind of already I think are pushing yourself quite hard um to then go into clinical practice and be like okay I need to keep pushing myself to the face um and without realizing it I had just taken on a lot of additional things like personal life I had like a lot of stuff going on professionally I had a lot of stuff going on and I just didn't give myself room for that human error or that, that like, I didn't give the universe the margin for randomness that the universe does. So <laughs> anything happened, yeah. it would every, like all of the plates I was balancing just all started mm. crashing down. And it was really hard for me because I got frustrated with myself because I was like, why can't I do this? Why can't I maintain this? Mm. Um, and I didn't see the signs of anxiety and burnout that now that I'm in a different um, kind of place in my life you know I have a very different work-life balance I value that life balance so much more now because I recognize like where I like how low I actually was and I didn't see it and now that I have that balance established a little bit better I recognize how valuable it actually is and I prioritize it a lot more than I used to um, so I yeah. think like giving yourself that room would be my top tip but also I think you just, I think sometimes people just need to experience it to recognize how important it actually mm-hmm. is and realize that you're a person and not just a piece of the clinical team mm-hmm. and you need to yeah. have space for yourself as well. Yeah, definitely. Would you say that the like sort of, I don't know, sort of like continued sort of professional development and things like that sort of, would you say that that's helped you? feel that you have like a niche bit of like veterinary care that you really enjoy that's sort of like because you know sometimes some bits of nursing can be challenging and we all have our favorites and actually sometimes you have bits of nursing that are comforting and actually on on like difficult days I'll be like oh I just want to do ops I just want to be on ops I really enjoy ops it's a really good day yeah like I find that's quite good sometimes for like mental well-being as well like you have like a niche bit of nursing or like a, a bit of nursing you just really enjoy would you, like, do you say that you have like favorite bits of nursing or? 
100%. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. My for sure is emergency and critical care. Um, and I've just started a certificate um, in April that I'm really excited to continue. I feel like it's already become relevant in my in my role as a as a out of hours nurse. Um, and I do think that doing this CPD and kind of getting on the journey of the career that I want at the end definitely gives me a sense of purpose. Mm. Um, that I think really helps me carry, like helps carry me on those days where I'm not feeling, you know, particularly, I guess, stimulated by the nursing that I'm doing that day, which doesn't always happen, but sometimes you have a lull or, you know, you have a difficult client or a difficult situation and you're kind of just like, why am I doing this? And I think having that mm. going on in the background where you're like, this is actually my goal. This is something I really enjoy. And this is the kind of nurse I want to be really motivates me and, and mm. keeps me going. Yeah, definitely. Going into like a part of nursing where you know, okay, for kind of like a few hours, I don't really need to overthink anything I'm doing. I know I'm good at it. I'm confident with it. I know I can, mm. you know, achieve the task <laughs> and it will all go well. <laughs> um, I'm definitely a medical nurse through and through. And I just love having, you know, that time to kind of be with the like medicine clinicians and just kind of talking about like interesting cases that we've got coming in and kind of planning out our weeks and and things like that and it's just it's nice to kind of have that bit of time in the in the area you in, enjoy working in and kind of mm. fulfills you as well and and makes you makes you feel confident in in your kind of skills yeah. it's really important yeah, it can make like a massive difference, can't it? Especially when you're like, yeah, I, I know what I'm doing. Like this, mm-hmm. I'm good at this. Like, so <laughs> you, sometimes you just feel like you're in your place and like, that's really nice. Yeah. And I think something for me as well is I have recently started doing something that I didn't think I would enjoy the way that I do. So uh, like we're quite, um, where me and Abby work, we're, we've always been quite pro nurse consults, um, sort of like trying to get the nurses doing as much as they can um and like sort of we're looking at expanding our consult service and things like that and sort of doing maybe some more complex ones diabetic clinics things like that and I think actually I've put quite a lot of time into doing um like CPD on it and I'm actually doing like a like a proper nurse consult CPD at the moment and like it's all very evidence-based and it's it actually feels like because quite often I'd feel that I could do the clinics but I was maybe thinking about them a bit anecdotally like sort of like especially like weight management like there is so much evidence out there for how to run a good weight management clinic and actually it's not something I've maybe spent that much time on and I think like I've done this CPD now I've got a fantastic amount of evidence and a like a great CPD talk by like a really really great nurse and she has put a lot of effort and a lot but also a lot of research into it and you just feel that you're you're giving the patient not just your anecdotal and and very good like anecdotal evidence but you're you're giving them like scientific points as well like you feel that you're yeah. giving them everything that you can and I think actually part of that I probably picked up from our process of doing like the knowledge summary and things like that like I was always thinking I always thought you know in my weight clinics were I felt that I gave the right information and things like that but I always felt that I could give more um so actually to be able to go away and research that obviously both like independently and as part of this CPD I feel like it's really enhanced my nursing and actually made me sort of 
fall in love a bit more with maybe like nurse consults that I didn't think I thought I was you know either particularly good at or I didn't think that I thought they were something my that I would love things like that but I feel like actually being able to add more science and more evidence based to it um it's like it's become a part of my life that I actually really enjoy um and now sort of it's something that I feel that I will carry with me like you know do I do I not enjoy this or do I just not have enough evidence or enough science to back it up or enough because obviously part of our love of nurses is like as being nurses is science it's like actually do I just not have all the facts I need to enjoy this properly or to appreciate the skill um so yeah I think actually doing maybe the this sort of evidence-based nursing and obviously this podcast for the awareness month like I think it's actually really important to mention how how much that can change your perception of something Mm. and I think as like a final question maybe to round this up and um almost kind of link back to the beginning Lauren kind of started it for me but I was going to ask what is your guys favorite bit of you know research or something that you've read or looked up that's actually then changed the way you nurse and has made you feel like you nurse a lot better because of it i'll leave mine that's what i just mentioned because like, <laughs> that like um some like looking a lot more into nutrition and how understanding the body score appropriately can help you actually work out quite a lot of calculations things that mean that you're not only giving a patient like a old cut down their food by this amount you're saying we're going to cut it down by this amount based on the calculations I've done to meet their requirements and everything like that. And I, I feel like doing that, gaining more knowledge on that has actually completely changed how I feel that I provide my consults. So, yeah, for me, that's definitely it. Amazing. Not to not to steal your thunder. <laughs> but um, when I was uh, a student in my final year, I did my dissertation on um, nutrition and critical care um, and specifically looking into like um non-invasive or minimally invasive feeding tubes um and all of the research for that like conducting the literature review going back through kind of previous cases that the hospital had had and the data that was available from them and um outcomes and stuff like that i feel like it's really heavily influenced how i um, treat inpatients now i'm very um some people sometimes think I like jump the gun where I'm suggesting like feeding tubes very early on or suggesting assisted feeding really early on to the clinicians that I work with just because the research that um, I did at the time really changed my perception on it. Like to think about how even just like simple things like the fact that, oh, they've been anorexic for two days, but they've also been hyporexic or not eating enough for like the five days before that. So really should we be considering doing a feeding tube a lot sooner? And um, sometimes people leave feeding tubes until three to five days that they've actually been in the clinic, but they haven't eaten before that and stuff like that. So, and looking at like how much nutrition can influence like um, the immune system, like uh, related outcomes and how much of an impact it can actually have on like critical care patients, I think has made me really, really, really passionate about it and very considerate to nutrition, which I think previously I thought was quite a benign process and not actually super impactful in the way that I believe it is now how about you Carla um similar like obviously when I did my dissertation I looked weirdly I looked at eyes because I love eyes um (laughs) and honestly since coming into practice I'm so much more aware of kind of how we're looking after our patients during anesthesia and and things like that and 
because I'm then so hyper aware, all my colleagues around me are then also doing the same because they kind of see me and they're like, oh, I, 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 um, I put lubrication in this cat's eye and I'm like, great, thing. <laughs> they came just to tell you. How <laughs> um, we kind of look after our patients during an anaesthetic, I think there's so much evidence around it. And one of our kind of clinical audits that's happening at the moment in our practice is all about kind of the temperatures that our patients get to even before they have their anaesthetic. And it's such a kind of known thing, but, you know, then seeing all of that evidence and actually being like, no, this is something we need to change the protocols and, and stuff in practice, I think is just so interesting. It's just lovely to have, you know, that scientific backing to be like, you know, I'm actually doing something because I know scientifically it's been proven to be the best thing to do. It's just really like reassuring to nurse in that way. And it's kind of like what Lauren mentioned earlier, we're like having that curiosity because I think something that I didn't know before we went into like medicine and veterinary is that like, I assumed all of this was like fact and like knowledge. And then I came into nursing and I realized it's kind of sometimes more an art than it is a science. Mm -hmm. um, I think remembering that a lot of this practice that we do isn't actually fully evidence-based or the fact that evidence can change over time and different things can be suggested helps keep you in that questioning mindset so you don't get kind of stuck in old ways of like, no, this is how we've always done it. Yeah, definitely. No, I think it's re that, that's really important because like, especially if, if someone um, works on something for a long time, they can become set in their ways. And like, that's just an inherent part of being a human. So actually someone and it's normally like I don't know younger graduate or like people that have just graduated that come in and sort of like question and sometimes that makes you challenge yourself as well and I'm saying that even as someone that's only like with what just nearly two years qualified about to be sometimes even then you become comfortable in things and you'll have like in my case like your student ask you a question and then you're like huh <laughs> think of it that way um, and I think actually that's really nice that's really nice to, to be challenged sometimes. Yeah. It's been so lovely talking to the both of you. <laughs> For... I know, it's been nice to discuss everything. And like, because we, we all lived together when we wrote it. So like, it was very much like a, a house effort when we wrote that knowledge. Yeah. So actually, it's, it's quite nice to relive it and see where you all are and see how you're sort of getting on with, you know, with your nursing. But yeah, it's been really yeah. nice. And like thinking back to when we were students and reflecting on, I think, some more difficult times that we've had, it's, I've really enjoyed it. It's been quite cathartic for me. Yeah, definitely. And I think as well remembering like how accessible, like especially veterinary evidence with the student program, but also just like I think journals in, in general. I think sometimes like I definitely thought there was this barrier between like what we were writing at university and what was actually like a published article level. Um, and to think that that gap isn't actually that large and can be bridged by nurses mm. um, as well as that, I think is definitely something worth remembering. Yeah, definitely. Right, thanks. It was nice to speak to you, Ray. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Veterinary Evidence. We publish freely available content relating to evidence-based veterinary medicine and its application to enhance the quality of patient care. Tweet us at RCBS Knowledge and learn more at veterinaryevidence.org.